not going to start the video. We're just, see, now we're live. This is the way this is working, okay? We're live because I'm at the Doubletree Hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma on 61st and Yale. All right? Is everybody on board with that? Yeah, we're good. Okay, good. Here we are, guys. This is our opportunity to demonstrate to you a level of professionalism you've likely never seen before. We're going to be answering your questions tonight. We've got those live, live questions coming in. We've got those super chats. If you want to throw us a couple dollars, that would be really grateful. I know Paul needs some new tight t-shirts. So all of that money will go to a good cause. We'll be answering your questions, going through the chat. In fact, we're going to start right now because we've got some really good questions from Tommy Boss. He's asking, does Sark have an ace up his sleeve being the most westward SEC team school? Uh, mainly we're talking about West Coast ties here. I'm going to put this one over to you, Eric. Yeah, I will, I'll, I'll give a short answer. This is actually something Paul wrote about a long, long time ago. Westward Expansion, I think, Paul, wrote uh, an article about you know, Texas's opportunity in general, even before the SEC, just because of this. There's not the, the cultural shock of going from Texas to California as it is from going to California to Mississippi or Alabama. So, I mean, that automatically, uh, you know, that fits in. When Texas goes out to USC, you can see there's not too much of a difference between USC fans and Texas fans culturally. So I, I think in a lot of ways, it helps out. There's, you know, there's just not nearly as much competition for those players. There's plenty of good football players out there, uh, despite all the other uh, distractions athletically that, that a lot of people have out there. There's some true hardcore football players out there, and they're usually looking for a hardcore football player environment. So sometimes they just luck into a player that has no interest in staying in California and wants to get get further east. Uh, Texas is a good place. Look at how many airports you can fly directly into Austin uh, from multiple points in, in Southern California, but. You know, go ahead and let Paul have that. Paul, you know, Paul has lived out west more recently than I have. Paul's got some good thoughts on it. Yeah, no, you exactly nailed it. Uh, so don't underestimate the fact that Austin has become a big city. You know, the sleepy place that I grew up is like is like at a real airport and direct flights to every major West Coast hub where there's talent. So whether that's Phoenix, whether that's Salt Lake City, whether that's Los Angeles, Orange County. One-way direct flights to Austin. Uh, not the same can be said for Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, the Plains of Auburn, uh, Starkville, etc. So uh, even Gainesville. You know, Florida has a, a very similar feel and sort of alumni base to Texas, folks, if you ever sort of interact with that group. But Gainesville, Florida, not exactly an easy direct flight. So uh, that stuff all matters. It's not just the convenience of the player themselves, but also their family. You know, if they want to get out and actually see games – you know, Texas has a huge advantage. So there's the cultural piece that Eric addressed, but then there's also just simple logistics. So hugely valuable. And uh, yeah, I think it's Texas. I think it's a great question. And I think something Texas will exploit and will continue to exploit. Yeah, I'll add that the the addition of Johnny Nansen plays directly into that. Not only does, has Nansen been recruiting that area forever, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's Samoan, he's, got, he's Polynesian. So he's uh, if you're if you're in that community, it's a tight knit, smaller community. It makes it a lot easier to recruit. Um, you know, Jeff Choate had to really earn his way in there to go get Leonga Lafau and, and work on Cecilia Kana. Uh, it, it's not an easy easy group to get into, but once you're in and you have their their respect, um, you know, news travels fast, and you can get in with a kid in Utah from a connection in, in California. It's a very small community, and I think uh, Nansen's going to play a big part in bringing some Poly more Polynesian players to Texas. And there's a lot of Polynesian players out West. One of the things that Paul mentioned was this idea. Well, it's not an idea. Culture, right? Uh, Drew, we were speaking earlier. There's something that you specifically wanted to talk about was the culture that's being built. This is something that's come up a lot this year, specifically with Sark, really pushing that point. How, how does 
how does culture play into this West Coast swing that we're doing and what the kids are able to, uh, to see when they come in? I think whether West Coast, whether the kids coming from the portal, whether the kids coming from Texas, it doesn't really matter at this point based on where the culture is, you will fit into what the culture is. Um, right. And if you don't, you're out. A couple things that stand out to me, me last year, I remember Sark, I mean, the team had its most successful year in years, but also performed well academically in the classroom. And it goes back to the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Uh, and people don't realize, I mean, it's, it's, the guys are still going to class. Doesn't matter what degree you think it is, you still got to still gotta show up. Uh, and it still eats into your time. But it also, that's just, what else would you be doing if you're not showing up in class, right? Um, so that's really what, what the culture uh, is dialed into right now. But but also, um, I think Adonai Mitchell said a couple of weeks ago in an interview, I think leading up to the, the ball game, Sark, Coach Sark is great. The culture, the team, the, the everything that you experience as, part of the, as being a part of the program is great. But when you get out on that field, uh, he said he, didn't, he wasn't coached any harder at Georgia than he was at Texas. I appreciate hearing that because you just never know, or you just wonder well, what, what the standards are. Now I knew because I've been to a couple practices. Yeah. It, I, I know how, how tough it is, but it's just great to hear that from someone coming from Georgia. And perhaps he probably would have never come from a school like Georgia to Texas, even though it is home, without knowing that he could be developed and he could contribute the way he did this year. So I think the, the culture is, is anchored into the program at this point. And as a player, uh, even though it's player led, you, you either get with it or you just you're not going to be a fit and you'll be out of there. That's great. Thank you for that. And I also want to thank HuffTex and Brett Nelson for your super chat contributions. That was great. We've got a $10 super chat that just came in. And I want to this is one of the more popular questions. So I'm I'm going to pass this over to Eric because he loves answering the questions about the D-line hire coach. So why don't we get a D-line coach? Uh, and a D and a DT coach from some other program, like some other programs do. Is there a reason they don't? I was told uh, Brown commented Jeff Banks with the development of Bro Davis too. So what? Let's talk about D line. Let's start there. It's a popular topic. What What are you seeing? I understand that you know that there's there's probably a guy in play, but we may not know that name. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I know the, the word in the building is that it's an NFL guy. Um, and, you know, right. the, the, the amount of NFL coaches that are still coaching is, is winnowing down each weekend. Uh, four teams left, four defensive tackle coaches. So uh, it could be somebody else that's still uh, working out some contractual things on their end, or maybe their season just ended in the, in the last couple of days. I don't know. But the word in the building is that it's an NFL guy, and that's really the only thing that tracks with the fact pattern of them not having a coach – uh signed yet unless there's some other you know unique circumstances i've long ago quit pretending to know uh to just to just go by uh what you can see on a surface level there could be a you know number of different reasons that we we don't even know to look for uh, for a reason that there's not a coach but we are hearing that it's an nfl guy um and so we're just you know we're waiting to see how it plays out i've been asked about a timeline i i don't know if i knew the timeline i might know who the coach was i do believe uh, rod wright is under consideration but i don't know that it is him the Texans season just came to an end uh, this past weekend. Uh, as for uh, Brandon Brown, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. That's you know that that commitment kind of came out of out of nowhere. Um, you know, we knew that he liked Texas, not to that degree that he would commit so early. 
losing Bo Davis is, is a shock to that, that recruitment. So I think Texas is going to have to act like he's uncommitted and uh, sort of start from scratch. Uh, a, Sark has to be involved throughout. Uh, and then B, once the, the new coach um, is hired and in place, you know, he needs to be on a plane out to Florida to, to go see him. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a long cycle. They're going to do well at defensive tackle. They, they're, you know, Sark went and saw DJ Sanders last week, who is a very talented young man. Uh, he did that despite not having a coach in place yet. That tells you that Sark is involved in these recruitments. And really nowadays there's so much variance with, with coaches uh, coming and going. The head man has to be involved with all these recruitments, at least of all the high-priority players. So I think, you know, I don't think the Brandon Brown commitment is going to be over. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't stick. Uh, but the new coach is going to have to come earn the same trust that Bo Davis had with him. Are there any thoughts as to why Texas or, or Stark, McPK, doesn't like to divide D-line and D-tackle coaching responsibilities? Have you any thoughts on that? Well, PK is the edge coach, and then you have the D-line. It's basically the interior D-line. It's it's a right. tackle out to 4-I. So they do split it. Uh, PK, that's kind of the problem, too, is PK is not a dynamic recruiter. Um, you know, he did well with Lance Jackson, actually, so we do have to give him some credit there. Uh, but he's not the first guy or the third guy or the fourth guy usually mentioned in these recruitments. He does well in a personal setting when he gets them to campus and shows them, you know, how he's going to use them within the scheme. Uh, he, he does pretty well connecting on the chalkboard, uh, but he's not a dynamic recruiting uh, personality. So they're going to need that from the new defensive tackles coach. And really he lost Jeff Choate too. Choate did a lot of legwork uh, for, uh, for, for Kwiatkowski last year. He helped a lot with the uh, Umio Zulu. He helped out a lot with, uh, uh, Cecilia Kana in the uh, previous cycle. Uh, so they're, they're going to have to make up for some, maybe some, I don't want to call them blind spots, but maybe some uh, areas that, that, you know, definitely need, need extra attention. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I'm, you know, there's no need to worry about recruiting at this point. Texas is going to have a, you know, probably its best class of Sarks uh, tenure so far in this next one, I would imagine. Drew, I know you wanted to add something to this. Yeah, I think, if you take a step back, I think the landscape right now is it's it's dynamic, right? Um, amongst people that are in more of the coaching agent type space right now, you're starting to see some college coaches, uh, just depending on where they are, they, they're questioning, do they want to be in college? But then you're starting to see some of the best coaches in the NFL. I mean, the, the, the Los Angeles Rams, best D-line coach in the country, uh, in the NFL, Eric Henderson, in my, in my opinion, or at least known amongst many, he's at USC right now. Why, why would you leave the NFL to go to USC? And so NFL coaches, they're seeing dollars in college. It's not just for players. These coaches are making a lot more in college than they do in the NFL. But I'm sure there's going to be some exhaustion or some some turnover from some of the traditional college coaches that, that maybe need a break and want to take some shots in the NFL. So we'll see how, how that works out. Uh, but – I trust the staff just in and of itself uh, and Sark more specifically that he knows what he's looking for and he knows the needs of the D line. But I also think that's just evidenced by the big thing that just happened this week with William Gay being added on to the staff and just that that shows the focus and intentionality of where we're looking. So uh, I don't doubt we'll get the right hire along the D line as well. That's great. And by the way, again, thank you so much for those super chats. That that really does help keep the questions coming. We're going to try to get to as many of as many of them as we can tonight. And a lot of this information that we're covering tonight goes. We go much further detail on the website. So please check out InsideTexas.com. We are offering a special right now. It is one dollar for a month. Let us earn your business. Come and check it out. One of the one of the very topics that was discussed today by our own 
Paul, was the idea of portal rankings. And what we mean by that is, is, is somebody getting a good class out of the portal? And it's an incredibly difficult thing to evaluate. And I'd love for Paul to expand on that a little bit because it's a, it's a topic that's really starting to show up a lot in conversation. Yeah, so I wrote a piece today. You can find it on Inside Texas. And basically, I was looking at the portal rankings. I was kind of perusing them at first, and then I kind of was looking at them with a eyebrow up, trying to figure out exactly what they're doing. And then I looked at all three of the major publicly available services, and that's Rivals, 24-7, and of course, On3. And I realized that I was not impressed, frankly, with, with some of the efforts of, of trying to create portal rankings. It's not easy to do because you have to assess fit. Uh, you have to make the decision. Are you just looking at what people are bringing in? Or do you have to also balance what's going out? And believe it or not, 24-7 and Rivals weren't even doing that. So how can you say you, quote, unquote, won the portal if you, if you add a bunch of good guys and you lost a bunch of good guys, did you win the portal? Uh, you know, if, if, if I go spar a guy a hundred times and I win nine times, I won, I won, you know, you're ignoring the 91 losses. So, you know, I, I don't think that's accurate. And then by the same token, I think on three, actually, as they always do methodologically, they did a very good job, but they actually didn't assess what I think most fans care about, which is, did we win the portal? Did we have a better portal class than OU? Did we have a better portal class than AM? Do we have a better portal class than Bama? And the, the on three answer is no, because they actually created a little bit of an index where they factor in the a degree to which the portal with the outflows also factored in increased your roster or improved your roster. So you're actually in a weird way penalizing a Texas and Ohio State who pound for pound have outstanding portal classes, but not many guys, but also good recruiting. So you right. could you could argue, well, they didn't really greatly improve their roster, but they're doing that from a 10,000 foot view, not actually looking at positional need and fit. So I gave you the broad overview. I go in much more in depth in the article and I don't want to burn it because I know some of you who are watching and listening or evaluating whether you want to join Inside Texas. And the answer is yes. You should join inside. <laughs> you don't. So you don't one of the things. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say one of the things that that kind of plays part and parcel to this is we're looking at needs and fit are specifically like what are those needs on each side of the ball. So if we can transfer to that a little bit, like what specifically, and I, this is a this is a question for the entire group here, but we'll start with you here, Paul. What what do you see as the biggest need on each side of the ball? So let's go outside the portal. 2025, I think, is what we're talking about, Doug. Standard old school high school recruiting, right? Right. Uh, I think it's going to – the answer every year now with the portal and what is essentially college free agency, and it's not even free agency in the truest sense because free agents have contracts, but uh, it's going to be O-line and D-line every year. That is the answer. I hate to be boring. Uh, now, obviously, you want to get a quarterback. You want to get some of these elite guys. But all of those things, history is recent history. We don't have a, a long track record, but recent history has shown you can fill in some pretty good players through the portal or through transfers. But what's really difficult is to build out a roster of O-line and D-line. You got to do that the old-fashioned way, and you got to grow them the old-fashioned way and, and coach them up and teach them because there's a, a learning curve. There's a de physical developmental curve. Uh, and I think all that stuff factors in. And so 
That's pretty much going to be my answer. My boring answer every year is O-line and D-line. As for specific names, I'll, I'll throw that out to Eric. Okay, great. Over yeah, to you, Eric. You're now on the spot. I'm with Paul. I'm with Paul there, and I think we should all be because everybody in the chat is wondering when Texas is going to get a defensive tackle out of the portal. So it kind of underscores how difficult it is to find those and why you need to get them uh, in high school ball. Uh, so Zion Williams is a huge one out of Lufkin. Uh, Bo Davis going to LSU is going to make that a little more difficult. Doesn't mean that Texas isn't going to get him, but they might have to work a little harder than they would have otherwise. Uh, DJ Sanders, Belleville, Texas. Uh, Sark just went, took the helicopter there last week to see him. Um, he's another really good. Uh, he's got. He's, he's getting taller. He's getting longer. Um, kid has always been crazy flexible for his his body type. I remember watching him stretch as a as a freshman and doing these these. Uh, leg raises and his foot's going up like a ballerina i couldn't believe what i was seeing he's 280 pounds he was a chunky kid at that point because he's a freshman there's no they're never in good shape at that at that age but uh he keeps getting longer he's explosive uh you know he could play nose or three tech uh, so he's another priority it's going to be a defensive tackle is going to be probably the most important and of course they just lost deandre robinson as well so uh at the, at the end of the 2024 class so that's on that side of the ball on offense, it's probably going to always be a, a key, a leading uh, offensive tackle, a guy that could play left tackle. They got a Brandon Baker last year, you know, the Gooseby the year before and Kelvin Banks before that. You got to keep that that uh, going as well because you always have to fit two on it, you know, right and left. So I, I'll probably go left tackle there. Um, and you know what? I'm a little bit of a diva when it comes to it, but, I, I, you know, just knowing how much Sark uh, likes his receivers that can win deep and, and uh, you know, make life easier for the running game, probably DeCorey and Moore, uh, the Duncanville wide receiver committed to LSU is a good one. And then back to defense. I mean, you can find corners in the portal. Texas has done it in the past, um, and they're trying to do it again right now for Jamar Muhammad. But, you know, finding a first-round guy in the portal is a lot difficult than finding him in high school probably, you know, at least long-term. they got It's where you can throw numbers at it in high school. So a guy like Devin Sanchez committed to Ohio State out of uh, North Shore would be another guy who would have his priority. So the same question to you, Drew. I mean, who, do, who are we seeing on – what are their biggest needs on each side of the ball? In high school, you got to look for. I mean, it's it's all about scarcity, right? Sure. Where where can you be the most? These kids are impressionable, but they're the most impressionable when they're 16, 17 years old, and that's the time to strike that young <laughs> kid who's like six five. He doesn't really know what he's doing with himself yet, but people are starting to recruit him. And it's like, man, um, they keep telling me I'm going to be good. I think I'm good, but I'm also playing against guys who are half my size. That's when you need to strike before these guys truly develop. And that's where, I mean, that, that's where you get to see the scarcity because if a kid is not standing out at that point, yeah. uh, you don't really have a chance to develop. And O-line and D-line needs to be developed. Kind of piggybacking off of where we need to focus, those guys need to be developed. And we have a, a, a current proof of concept to show what development looks like at Texas. Yeah. Uh, so you got to focus on the absolute, you got to be judicious. You got to be very specific about what you do, uh, which this time of year is really important. I mean, I think we're still early right now, but we just went through a junior day where I mean, dozens of kids were on campus. You start looking at what offers went out, what commitments come in. You start looking at kind of where we're prioritizing and where we're spending our time based on where these offers are going. So uh, you always want to look for scarcity. You always want to make sure you're as impressionable as possible uh, at this stage uh, of the recruitment, because as time goes on, uh, it gets much tougher, more competitive, but also it starts costing more too. 
So. Well, he, he had early is where Texas has done well. Kyle Flood has done great on offensive line. I was talking to John Turntine on Saturday. He's a 2026 uh, unrated left tackle, but it'll be a top 50 player in the country probably. And talking to him, it's you know his, his eyes light up when he talks about Texas. Texas, you know, has that that early mover uh, uh, on their advantage on their side to where you know they, they get to set the narrative. This is who we are. You want you want to be able to make that first impression before other schools start to make it for you on your behalf. It's not going to be nearly as favorable for you. Um, and, you know, talking to him, his, his recruitment started to pick up, but his only visit he has uh, upcoming is in uh, early February to SMU. You know, but this is a kid that can go anywhere in the country. Uh, trust me, the tape is great. He weighed 298 the other day. It looks like he's about 270. Uh, he's 6'5". Uh, he's got a 4.0, number nine in his class at North Crowley. Just like this, exactly how you draw it up. Um, so be on those guys early and then, you know, make it harder on everybody else to, to, to pry him from you especially when you have academics on your side like Texas does. So being early is big. It's very, very big. Paul, I know you had something on this. I did. You know, Drew started talking about the impressionability of these youngsters. And the old saw in recruiting was that second place only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Like if you came in second, that's the same as coming in ninth. Right. But now that's all changed with the portal. Right. Because we're realizing that even these guys we come in second with, there's another shot at them literally in a year often. And yeah. you just saw that play out. I mean, so we know that with Quinn Ewers, right? Texas finished second for to Ohio State, and now he's the quarterback at Texas. But Caleb Downs, you know, when Caleb Downs put entered into the portal, everyone assumed it was to join Traveris Robinson, his position coach, at Georgia. But people who were close to that recruitment said, no, the school that actually finished second in his in mind, mind in his was Ohio State. Yeah. And Ohio State obviously has freed up some NIL, if you guys haven't noticed. And I'm sure they made him a good offer. But he already had good feelings. And so what people said was, no, no, Ohio State finished second in that recruitment. And it actually mattered. So now Caleb Downs is going to be the starting safety for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, uh, right. you know, Rich get richer. So, you know, Eric has talked about this, I know, but I think we're going to have to change our mindset of recruiting that you want to recruit through the whistle and all that sort of stuff, but you're doing it to finish second because there's actually real yes. value in that because that kid is a high school senior when things don't go quite the way they expected their freshman year of college or their second year and they're looking for something comfortable. Oh, they remember that other school that courted them that almost got there. That's who I'm going to talk to first. So interesting. Right. I made that I made the joke on Saturday while we were at the junior day freezing our butts off. Uh, I said, you know, these, some of these guys are not ending up at Texas, but they might end up at Texas in a couple of years. And that's I think they're just casting a wider net due to that. And you can see some of these guys are going to have a longer road to development um, than some others. And, you know, do you want to do you want to develop them? Do you want to develop them on, on your dollar at your time or, you know, maybe let somebody else do it? Some of those guys are talented, but probably not Texas guys until maybe they're 21 or 22. So. Uh, they cast a wider net, I think, because of the portal. Uh, if you look at where guys end up, it's like Paul alluded to. It's it's usually to a familiar situation or somebody that they knew. Or, you know, Trey Moore with, with this in Texas, he liked it because of proximity. Uh, but other guys they got, Matthew Golden, they recruited Matthew Golden. Isaiah Bond, they recruited Isaiah Bond. Uh, so that familiarity is going to uh, work out in the long run if it doesn't work out in the immediate. And, and yep. just as, as, as another note, Caden Proctor, offensive lineman for Alabama. He committed to Iowa. Right. A Bama recruit goes to Iowa. Why? Number Close two. Relationship. They were number two. 
Yeah. Yeah. Number two. That, that, there are. Difference. And, and that that can get you a discount, if you will, if you build a relationship. I mean, the kid came out and said, hey, during the season when I was struggling, I got a few text messages from from coaches that I would like, hey, like, keep hanging there, you know, wishing you the best. Okay. That's, that's right. also called tampering, Drew. It's tampering. I'm quoting what the kid said. I'm quoting what the kid said. Oh, man. Well, look. You don't recruit through the whistle anymore. You build you tamper. You build relationships. You maintain rapport. You stay connected, and you encourage these kids. It's about the kids. Yeah, that's right. Until uh, yeah, it runs out, and then it's like, all right, on to the next one. It's it's all about the long con, boys. Well, I've got you here, uh, Drew. Can you talk a little bit? Speaking about our new DB coach hire, I think we're specifically talking about Coach Gay, that our new analyst, someone that is very familiar with single high. I mean, is. And look, if this if I've just thrown you under the bus here, uh, just blink twice and I will pass this off to someone else. No, man. No, if you don't if you don't know if you if you have you don't have to be a Steelers fan to know that roster and know some of the guys that were on that roster that he was a part of. Really good. I mean, I'll say this and I said this last week. He was a part of a great defensive backfield. They had talent in other spots that was. That was sound. But when it comes to covering, I mean, I think he leads the Steelers in interceptions over time. Uh, long career. There's so many details. And if you talk to an NFL player who's played DB, the information that they have to share, to be honest with you, yeah. almost always far exceeds what a DB coach in college can share. Unless it's a Can you expand on that? Why is that? Why is that the case? Because you're tested in so many ways in the NFL, uh, you're tested. You tested schematically. You're tested from coverage. You, you have so much talent that you have to go against every week. You don't get weeks off, and so the schemes that go into it that you can't. I mean, if you're a guy who can get away with gambling, meaning jumping plays to to, to make a play on the ball, like I mean, you can be out of the league quickly if you're giving up passes. Um, now, I'll say there probably was a bit of a more hybrid era era uh, during the time where he was playing, uh, where there was a bit more balanced offenses. You weren't tested as much. But the skill set, the time and the tenure he spent in the league, what he's learned over that time, both from a skill set standpoint, an evaluation standpoint and a schematic standpoint, meaning what he'll see the guys do or how he'll see them make mistakes will be just a fresh set of eyes based on what the coaches have been seeing and want to see from their guys. Um, there may be another way that you can teach how to play a certain a certain way in the scheme that, that he's seen. And so there's just all these different things that can go into it. When you have a fresh set of eyes that's played that long, that's played the position, uh, the depth of the knowledge can really, really help drill down on, on, on just some of the things that can bring the most out of the guys. So I'm excited about him bringing him on. I don't think people understand how technically uh, challenging playing cornerback is. You know, you got to sink your feet in your eyes and you, you're working backwards and there's, you're trying to process information. It's, it's a very difficult job. And so, you, you know, these guys learn a lot in college, but you're always, you're still learning a way more into your, you know, into your late twenties. Uh, you know, it's, it's a whole different ball game. You go out there and watch some of the best skills trainers in the country, a guy like Clay Mack, who now pretty much only works with NFL guys. And, man, they are detail-oriented. They break every movement down to a science. Um, it's, uh, it's quite impressive to see. Yeah, it's just that you want as many eyes and as much uh, as much accru accruement of talent as you can get uh, in, in those rooms. You know, 
you want guys challenging each other's ideas and you know how to how the best to, a way to get results out of the players what this player's doing wrong here's what's wrong with his back pedal let's try this you know just as much uh, uh as much debate as you can possibly get so that's that's a fun hire i like that i remember him as, as a player quite well hey well, the one can I read off some names of those Steelers that he played with that era? Oh, please. If you're not familiar, he played with, of course, former Texas great Casey Hampton, one of the most dominant interior players I've ever seen play at any level. Lamar Woodley, James Ferrier, James Harrison, uh, Bryant, the secondary, to Drew's point, Bryant McFadden, Ike Taylor. Ike Taylor is like a true veteran, like secondary I dude. I love Ike. Ike was bad. Paul Amalu, and of course, Ryan Clark. So some really smart players, also some really talented players there. Oh, that's tough, yeah. players. tough players. Yeah. Really tough guys. He's only one he's of the subjects. Guy. I would have thought he was older. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the subjects that's being talked about a lot is uh, certainly junior day and what happened there. And, and I know that's been a topic uh on the board a lot at InsideTexas.com. Please, again, subscribe there. Uh, there's way more information than we can provide you right here. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit, Eric, because this has been a topic, uh, it's big news, right? This is when we get our opportunity to show our wares to the to the young people coming in. What I would like to know just really quickly, for someone that's not initiated, what, what does a junior day look like? What kind of things do the kids go through? What kind of are they meetings? What, what, what does a junior day look like at the University of Texas? Yeah, well, this was one of the shorter ones I can recall. Um, you know, they got in, they uh, registered between 9 and 10. They got shuttled in uh, to, to Moncrief. Uh, basically, you check in, you get weighed, you get measured. Depending on who you are, if, if they're a guy that you're a priority, they're not going to really take your time with that. A guy like Kamori and Morgan, uh, defensive end out of now out of sock, uh, he, he didn't have to go through it. And some of those elite guys don't have to, but the younger guys, they want to get a good feel for them. So they get weighed and measured. Uh, they get various presentations, uh, nutrition, weight room. Uh, this game, this today, they went, or on Saturday, they went to the Baylor game. Uh, they stayed for the first half of that. Uh, left at halftime to go continue their familiarity with the, you know, with the program facilities. Uh, they like the new recruiting lounge or the new players lounge. If you guys saw the, uh, I know you saw it, but if you saw the, uh, the announcement when they made the playoffs, everybody went sell, uh, went wild in that room. That's a brand new facility uh, that, that's just now opening full time. They they were showing them off, showing off that. They showed a lot of uh, turn time that I talked about earlier. He he liked seeing how they the recovery rooms, the you know the cold baths and the cryo. Uh, stuff. Uh, so basically just all that strength and conditioning uh, consultation with Tori Becton. Um, and then, you know, some of the guys, you know, they, they meet with Sark and then they start rolling out. But, but the a lot of the priority guys are, you know, hanging out, you know, well into the night. Keati Armstrong didn't leave till late, tied in out of Jasper. Uh, so a lot of them stick around to get that one on one time with uh, with Sark. So it's a, it's a pretty full day. They keep you moving. Uh, but they did it. You know, they make it kind of fun. They eat, of course. I think they had barbecue. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much a, uh, it's, it's the handshake to the, uh, to the program, just a way to get familiarized. And then, uh, a lot of these guys will come back for spring practices. Some of these guys will take official visits and that's when they, they really start hammering on the, uh, the details of the school, what, you know, what their coursework will be like. Uh, they'll take a harder look at the academic side if that interests them. If not, they'll just, you know, more football, more football. Right. right. Do, Drew, do you have any memories specifically of, of, junior days either as a longhorn or when you were being recruited i don't remember going to actually you know you know my memory of junior day 
I'll tell you my memory of junior day. My, my first, and it wasn't a Texas, it wasn't a Texas junior day. <laughs> uh, when I went to Texas, actually on a visit, it was just uh, another weekend after the junior days. But my first offer, kind of going back, my first offer was was by A and M. It's funny, I, I forgot about this story today. Once until my daughter, she she was looking through this bin that I have. She's like, "Hey, um, Dad, isn't this a school you don't like?" And it was an A and M letter. It was an AM letter she looked at. And, and she said, Well, did you ever take a visit there? So my mom, I, AM was my first offer. I had no desire to go to College Station, but just it was my first offer. If you get invited to go to campus, you, I mean, you know, opportunity to get a free education, you're going. Right. We were scheduled to drive up that Saturday morning, but we were just waiting on a few other details like confirmation. He said he'd call me back Friday nights, just confirm something. The coach, the DB coach, what's his name here? Yeah, it was a safeties coach. No call, no nothing. 10 o'clock shows up Saturday morning. He's like, hey, um, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you, but but did you make it to town? And my mom's like, oh, I don't operate like that. <laughs> my, mom was, my mom was not playing. She's like, they're going to have to do a lot more if we're going to if we're gonna ever make it to College Station. Uh, but then when I finally did go uh, to Austin, it wasn't a major junior day. It was myself and maybe – half a dozen other guys who couldn't make it to the junior day. And it worked out that much better because I didn't make it to the original one at Texas. I got a lot more time with the staff, a lot more time with Mac. That's also where I got my offer to Texas. So uh, my junior day was perfect <laughs> uh, considering, <laughs> right. considering that whole process. Uh, but yeah. Oh, that's guys, awesome, man. Do you guys know who that safety coach was? Uh, Melvin Smith. I'd forgotten his name until I saw this letter. It was Kirby Smart. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Carl Torbush. <laughs> wow. So, wow. So this is a great opportunity. If you've got uh, questions, please go ahead and put those in the chat. This is a this is one of the few opportunities we have throughout the week to really uh, communicate with you the best that we can. Obviously, this is a prime example of what great communicators we are. Uh, Super Chats will obviously get read. So please, if you don't mind throwing those in there, that's fantastic. Uh, one of the questions that came up, and this is, this is you know, not necessarily very telling, but it could have a lot of impact, is this concept of the rock star coach, right? Like, is Sark there yet? Is he, I mean, is he considered the rock star coach yet? I'm not entirely sure what metric that Sunny B is using there. But what do we think about that? Where three years in, how would we classify Sark? Well, this is how Eric thinks about coaches and players like rock star. Is he not a rock star? It's very TMZ. So Eric's binary. Yeah. Yeah, it's Q rating. What's his Q rating? Um, What's his Q rating? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's he's he uh he, I don't know how to answer that because he's he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be a rock star coach. He wants to. Be I'll, I'll, say, I'll uh, say this, Eric, if you don't want to answer it. I think he's a little more substance uh, than style. You know, when I think of rock star, I kind of think of, uh, you know, maybe Lane Kiffin. Um, so hold on a minute. I, I have to just interject there. So there's no substance at all to the Rolling Stones. There's no nothing there. Are you more of an Aerosmith guy? How are you rating rock stars? Those are just good pyrotechnic shows, like we were talking about earlier. Oh, for yeah. all right. Rockstar, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that attention. I mean, he's you know he. Um, well, I don't know. You know, he lets his wife dress him like that, like uh, you know, like those rock stars with their uh, P 
people dress him. I don't know. I, I think he wants to be a winning head coach, and um, I think that's where he's you know where he's headed to. And then from there, he you know I think he'd rather be Nick Saban than Mick Jagger. Okay. Well, I instantly regret this question. Drew, you had something of substance to contribute, not just a pyrotechnic show. I mean, if Sark if, if Sark had a peak of his rock stardom, it was when he finished at when he finished at Bama and came to Texas. I thought he carried some weight with him. Um, there's some coaches who are leaving and going to other schools, and they're able to pull portal guys, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're able to pull recruits with them. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to keep guys in the program when they move over. If there was any time where I felt like Sark was more of a rock star and had more clout than, than maybe I realized it was how much we were able to keep things together when he came over. Uh, it had a lot to do with who left prior to him, but, but also just, I, I think Sark came in with that. I think beyond uh, his, the first season, uh, Sark did have, have some cachet, if you will, um, that he started with. And I think he's only built on that since he's left Bama. And, and that's, it, it's rare that people get to build and kind of keep their momentum coming from a program like Bama, but, but Sark's found a way to do it. Do we, do we have any added level of excitement for when Kiffin and Sark finally play each other? I think the, simply the Twitter leading up to that from yeah. Kiffin alone, um, I, I'm incredibly impressed he has time to do any game planning, frankly, but is there anything in particular you're looking forward to there with, with, yeah, Drew, good. Thank you for raising your hand. Anytime. Incredibly <laughs> polite. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Oxford for Texas uh -huh. versus Ole Miss. Anytime Texas and Ole Miss play, regardless of the coach, it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah. 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 So great. Sark and, and Kiffin are just, they're extras on top of that. We'll have some good football to go along with it. Actually, the game I went to, we blew them out on their field, but it's going to be good. There's going to be excitement around Ole Miss and Texas, regardless. Uh, but I'm sure their friendship adds a little more for people who actually want to watch football. Well, since we're, we're, we're on this topic, I want to want to take it over to Corey B. And this may be this is right up Paul's alley. Uh, will will you throw for 4000 yards and 30 touchdowns with these wide receivers we got coming in? Yeah. Great. OK, next question. Uh, Drew, let's see here. Let's move over here. You know, as as they now have the ability to pick the cream of the crop, as we're looking at these people, like, like how do we keep kids warm and patient? Now, the phrasing on that is incredibly problematic, uh, but I think what they're trying to say is, how do we keep them engaged? You let Great, moving on. We've got... Paul. You, you let, them, you let Paul. them know that they are wanted. Yeah. Okay, you thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. But you also let them know you respect their decision and give them time to make their process, go through their process. And so you just keep it in balance that way. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm really, thank you for that. Paul, are you okay? Did you have a mini stroke? Is, are things going all right down there? You froze no, for a second. I, did I freeze on the screen or something? You did. I'm sure you had something really insightful to say, and I'm sorry that the people missed it. Are there, is there anything left for schools to negatively recruit against Texas? Outside of the fact that they're called the University of Texas, it should be. Uh, I mean, how how would a team let's let's do some let's do some counter uh, strategy here? How would a team negatively recruit Texas right now? They seem to be rolling and firing on all cylinders. Well, I mean, if a kid is from a small town, you could play up that angle. A lot of these uh, schools are you know in much smaller environments. College Station, Norman, 
those sorts of places. Uh, so they, they can play that up and it's going to work with some kids. Um, it, it, it might not even have to be brought up with some kids, because that is something that Texas has to overcome uh, at times. Everybody asks about Terry Bussey, but he's they've at Texas, they've never felt like that's a kid that wants to be in a big city. So they've always felt like they've been battling uphill there. Uh, so that's one that they'll have to overcome. Uh, but, you know, really after this next NFL draft, there's not going to be a whole lot left for uh, for to staff to negative recruit I mean, maybe some individual right. development at, at positions but not certainly no macro uh, level issues so I don't, I don't know it's going to be uphill battle for those guys this I, this is i would actually like to hear your opinion on this paul if you're still with us what would be what do you think how would we negative recruit texas right now uh so what you actually we're getting to the point where it's the, the negative recruiting we want which is playing time right uh, if you're coming in now, so you're always going to see questions on the board in these chats. What true freshman is going to come in and start? Well, the, the best answer to that is outside of some freak. The answer is none. That's what we want, right? So the best negative recruitment against Texas is you're not going to play early. We can You could play early at fill in the blank, right? The other thing related to Eric talking about the big town, small town thing, that's real. Be like, so I embraced, obviously, the big environment. I was excited about it. Most people that I know that went to Texas were excited about it. But Grant Taft of Baylor fame, well into the mid-1980s, used to bring up Charles Whitman and the tower <laughs> shooter to recruits. Yeah, As yeah. Texas is not a sure. safe place. Austin's scary. Uh, I've been in some scary cities. Austin, Texas does not qualify. But uh, – yeah, go to go to Johannesburg, South Africa, if you want to see what what scary feels like in some places, or go to Newark in some bad areas. But yeah, um, I think this, this is a good opportunity that you brought up right now. What obviously we're seeing some shifts in the way that Johannesburg is running their defense this next season. Is there is there anything specifically like maybe with the three technique you want to talk about that we should be looking at with those Johannesburg players? You, you don't want to recruit Bushman, Kalahari. They're small. They're, they're agile. They're nimble. They're resourceful. Yeah. About four foot eight. You want right. to go for the Sulu Warriors. That's, that's okay. length. Okay. That's great. I would like to now transition to something more relevant. Uh, Chris Brent Bennett brings up uh, a question that I think you're very qualified to answer uh, as representing both of them legally in their professional careers. So this is to do with Frank Ogum, Frank Oakham and Rod Wright. Like, obviously we don't know the answer to this. We've, we've talked about this at length, not knowing who the next D line coach is, but if you wouldn't mind giving us like, give us three, three attributes of each that would make them awesome coaches at Texas. Pick your favorite. Yeah. You have to pick your favorite friend. Probably. And we want to know, cause you're not getting invited to Thanksgiving for one of these guys. So you're going to have to pick, the one that probably has the best cooking. Oh man, I don't know what to say. Um, I'm going to go with Rod just because that that is a name that, as far as people know, or at least that's out there, there's an NFL guy that that is in the mix, and so hopefully it's that NFL guy. Um, Rod has really has 13 years of experience in college. You know, this is his first year right. coaching in the NFL. So uh, while he has that exposure, I mean, his 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 presence has been in college. Uh, he's developed players at places that don't get the talent we get at Texas. Um, he's had multiple players become defensive players of the years in their conferences. 
uh, lead and break school records in sacks and TFLs. Um, he's just developed them. Um, but, but he's also developed both defensive tackles and the end. So he has that diversity of experience coaching both inside and out, as well as some linebacker plays. So, um, he, but he is an obsessive ball coach. I, I don't think people like there are coaches who coach and there are coaches who are obsessed. He eats, sleeps, breathes ball. I mean, that that's, that's it. Wake up, work, stay late. He does it the same way as a coach as he did as a player. Uh, they're early, works hard, is in the film, does not leave anything on the table every single day. Um, and he recruits that same way, too. And that's something that people don't see enough uh, or don't know enough about. But uh, he'll be ready if um, we have the opportunity to pull him in and if this is something that he wants to do. Well, just I also want to ensure that uh, you maintain your friendship. So let's say it is Oakham. Like what, what would be what would we see in a coach? Uh, Coach Oakham, what do we see there? He is far more. He understands the entire defense, but through understanding all of the defense, he can speak to the importance of every person's job on the D line. Uh, some coaches can only speak to why or speak. This is your job. Do it. And the closer you are to the ball, the less you want a guy to think. Um, but some guys, they are they, they, they think too much or they're not thinking and they should think more because they're making bad decisions. They're getting breached on blocks and they're doing they're making mistakes in the defense. So uh, when you can have a guy that can explain, that can help un players understand the technique and how they fit into the scheme and why it's so critical. It, it does help resonate with players. Um, but two, the other thing is. He's really good at finding the right guy to 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 coach up uh, and tee up opportunities with. So he'll coach one guy really hard, and not that he he coaches every guy differently, but he te he teaches through other guys. And so while he's teaching one, he's making sure that the others understand this message as well. There's no message that is just for one player. Everything is going to resonate throughout the entirety of the room. Um, and he, he's a go-getter as far as recruiting because he probably connects with parents uh, better than any other recruit because he's lived it. He went to Texas. He graduated. He got his master's from Rice. He's coaching. He loves ball. He connects with parents. He's played in the NFL. He played with the Texans for a few years, went to Tampa, went to Seattle. He's played the game at a high level. So uh, when it comes to do you as a parent – is this what you want your kid to do? Follow this track of this guy? He's the guy you pick, hands down. Oh, that's awesome. We've got, and again, these questions are coming in. They're really great. If you want to ensure that yours is read, go ahead and throw it in the super chat there. But this next one, I really want to, to put to our friend Paul because it's, it's, uh, it's one of our own we're talking about here. Now, again, we're talking D-line. So this is an area where I know that you're, you've put a lot of focus recently. So how do we feel about Ian Boyd coaching the D-line? And if he's not coaching, could he play nose tackle? What 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 would be the upside of that? What would be the downside of that? I know we we know that there's a virility to him given the amount of kids that he's pumped out. So there's there's probably something going on there, but can you just break down a little bit what that looks like having uh Ian Boyd at the nose tackle position? Well, in, speaking of the virility piece, the, the moms on the recruiting trail are gonna eat him up. They're gonna Oh my god, him. he's adorable. Yeah, absolutely. Little je ne sais quoi that you can't. Yeah. Uh, as for Ian, you know, it's supposed to be a joke question, but 
just because Ian's short, that's leverage, ladies and gentlemen. That's leverage. Low man Low wins. Gravity. Yep. This is basic football, folks. You think you're making fun of the man and you're building him up. That's right. what's happening here. Intellectually, he gets it. Now, is that kind of wasted on a defensive lineman? Drew will tell you yes, probably. Uh -oh. uh, you kind of want to just point them and just have them attack things until you tell sure. them to stop. But right. Ian can do that. You ever seen him in the comments when a poster challenges him, when someone challenges him? There's Ian a ferocity, yeah. Right, there's a real ferocity to that guy. So, yeah, I, you guys thought this was a joke question, but the joke is on you. Oh my gosh. Well, that's what you get for, for putting a comment in there. And, and I hope that others will contribute these comments. Again, the super chats are going to get you really far. We're to the point right now where we're talking about putting someone in that's maybe a buck 12 soaking wet. So we'll see how it all goes. Uh, let's, let's just leave it at that. Uh, Drew question to you. Uh, safety. I mean, could we put Ian out there? I mean, that's a little bit of an Island for him. He likes to be alone. There's some solidarity in his behavior, uh, given the fact that he surrounds himself with children. It's a little odd, but maybe maybe going out on an island there would give him an opportunity to get away from his kids. No, I'd rather see Jelani McDonald. Uh -oh. Okay. Wilson or, or, or Andrew Makuba, uh, Michael Taff being a leader this 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 spring, uh, this offseason, Derek Williams developing this offseason. That, that's what I'd rather see uh, suiting up this, this fall, I mean, this spring. Uh, preparing to, to, to really develop this offseason. So, uh, sorry, Ian. Uh, we, we got some guys that we don't need to. Uh, coming from the great north of Syracuse, New York, where they walk under tunnels like troll people to stay away from the cold, they're asking which early enrollee is going to surprise in the coming weeks. We're going to ask everybody this question, but because I can't change pictures right now, we're starting with Drew. <laughs> because you can't change pictures. Uh, I don't think know. Safety. Think safety and think Ian Boyd at safety, but if he had talent and went to IMG. Jordan, yeah, there you go. Answer because Jordan Johnson Ravel. Yeah, he's a good answer because IMG, you know, those guys are, are kind of used to working at a sort of a college uh, clip, like at a college rate. Um, so he's, he's going to acclimate easier than a lot of guys. Uh, and he's like, like what Drew was saying about Rod, he eats, sleeps and drinks ball. Uh, so I think he's going to have an easy transition. Now, that doesn't mean he's got the highest upside, but I think we're going to hear about him uh, impressing quite a bit in spring drills just from a level of preparedness. A lot of times, uh, a lot of times you can tell who's got the who, who's ready to compete early on, who has the mindset for it. Uh, I expect JJR to uh, be one of the guys we hear about a lot. That doesn't mean he has the highest upside or he's going to star as a freshman or anything like that. But it means he's going to acclimate early. And I think he's going to have a lot of attributes that get him on the field early, even if it's just special teams. Okay. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. We've got a, a super chat coming in here. I'd like to thank our friend Dale Allen. So what is the word on Ryan Williams? I mean, is he going to make it in? What are our thoughts there? Yeah, he'll be in this weekend. He just visited Alabama, got to know that staff quite a bit. Um, you know, he's already familiar with the school in a lot of different ways. He's committed there for a long time. Uh, after Texas, he's going to go to Auburn, but this is a chance for Texas to connect. And again, you know, we're talking about earlier, we said, you know, if, if you finish runner up, it might, it's not always the worst thing. You know, what if he picks Auburn one day and wakes up and, and wonders what he did? You know, what, what he gave up a chance to go play, you know, throw catch balls from Arch Manning and Sark's offense. You know, maybe he changes his mind. So, you know, I'm not predicting Texas to win yet. I think it's um, far too early to make that, that uh, prediction. You know, we'll see how this visit goes and, you know, we'll see how everything else, you know, you know sometimes Texas can put its best foot forward and still not come out on top. Yeah, Auburn, yeah, Justin Wales gets it. Um, 
maybe if that happens. Um, yeah, it's, you know, NIL is going to play a factor in a recruitment like this. He's sensational. He's about as good of a wide receiver prospect as you'll see. That's in that six foot range. Uh, out, there's some real unicorns out there that are six, three, six, four. Uh, but as far as the six footers go, man, he's about as electric as it gets. Uh, so yeah, Auburn, it's going to be tough to get him out of that state. You got Auburn and Alabama wanting him. Uh, maybe Texas can be a compromise for What uh, we've does, go ahead. Does, does Auburn have a quarterback? Not really. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. He could wake up one day going, "Hey, what what did I do? What what, what happened?" Right. <laughs> well, what uh, we've got a question here from uh, board favorite Mr. David Keith Williams. He's he's curious about freshmen specifically. Um, you know, playing early uh, isn't necessarily always favorable, obviously best man up, but with the questions about Sadir Mitchell, you know, Alex January might be the most important freshman uh, in Mr. Williams' eyes. How do we feel about that going in? Who, who do you think our most important freshman is coming in? Well, I don't know that there's questions about Sadir, but uh, I like his mention of Alex, uh, Alex January for sure. I, I, Sadir's right on time. He's just, you know, uh, the bigger you are, a lot of times, the, the longer it takes you to develop. Uh, we see that with offensive linemen all the time. So, Sadir, I don't think there are any questions about Sadir other than, can you know, will he have enough time to, to develop? Uh, but I do believe Alex January is extremely important, uh, and he's more technically refined than a lot of freshmen. He's a lot different than Sadir coming in as a pro, uh, prospect. Uh, Alex, I think, will be able to play a little bit earlier than Sadir. Uh, and I think, you know, going into 2025, both those guys are going to be good. Uh, this next year, it's going to have to be a, a timeshare probably, but I think Sadir's going to be okay, and I think Alex has a chance to surprise. But I would agree that he's – Alex January and Sadir Mitchell are two of the most important uh, prospects in the – or players in the entire uh, roster, just given what, everything we've said about scarcity and, and how hard it is to find those guys. What are – a quick word from our friend Dale Allen. Thanks again for the super chat. Really appreciate it. He thinks we need uh, Drew in Tahoe. So – uh, I don't know what your plans are this weekend, Drew, but you're uh, so wanting Dale, so Dale's a guy I go uh, when I'm in Tahoe. I tend to see uh, usually when I'm out there. And so, yeah, Drew's always welcome. And Drew's been a Tahoe. Drew likes to snowboard. I love the yeah, snowboard. Let's yeah, do Drew, it. Drew snowboards. He's he going in a couple. I'm not going to Tahoe in a couple weeks. I'll be somewhere else, but I'll be snowboarding in a couple weeks. So, Paul, a question to you. How, how does it feel to be um, in a conversation with two guys talking about a vacation that's super fun and you don't get invited? Uh, I live in Colorado, so I live in I right. live in that winter wonderland. That hey, Paul and I have been to Tahoe together. We've been okay. To well, I guess that uh, that just leaves me on to uh, Melvin Hills. What's the word on Melvin Hills? Anybody on that? Uh, what's the question on Melvin Hills? Just what's I, well, it just says what's the word on Melvin Hills. Maybe this is a word association game. I'm going to say Melvin Hills. You say go. I'd say uh, ain't no mountain high enough. Okay, there it is. He's, uh, he's going to be in in, uh, in the summer, early summer, I believe. And um, yeah, he's he's going to be uh, not the not the fastest to the field. He's got some development ahead of him. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't I haven't heard of him wanting out of his letter of intent. If that's the real question there. Okay. All right. Is there anything as we're as we're wrapping this up? Uh, do we do we want to talk Jabbar? I mean, is is that something we want to? I know that that's still. That's still in the air, but it's uh, we've had a, a couple chats about that. Any word on Jabbar at the moment? Uh, yeah, I mean Texas is battling hard. They, they uh, you know, I think they're they're fighting tooth and nail. Probably some other cliches I could throw out there, um, but it's you know, I, I, people think I know which way he's going. I don't know 
what school he's going to pick. Right now, I think that, you know, Oregon might be the slight favorite. They were the slight favorite before his visit to Texas. I think Texas made up a little bit of ground there. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We have to see what comes out of the, the visit to Oregon. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to get hard information on it, but, you know, I don't know exactly what he's going to do. Texas doesn't know what he's going to do. Oregon doesn't know what he's going to do. I'm not sure Jabari right. knows what he's going to do. So it's a little too early to, to make a final prediction on that one. But uh, Texas is definitely fighting and, and still in it. Uh, we're not sure if, if they're going to win it. That's all, you know. That's all is, there, is there a deadline on that with enrollment or is he going to be in the, in the spring? He can still enroll up until the 31st, 31st right. day of class. And then, you know, as long as you get a, a note from the coach, you can uh, you can still enroll. Great. OK. And this is this is a question about uh, the the tight ends. And obviously, you know, if we're in, if we're in 12, this really doesn't matter all that much. And it may not matter at all. But between Helm and Nye Black, who do we see starting? How does what do you see in terms of contribution between those two? Obviously, Helm took a big step this last year. And we've got a, a proven player coming in. How do you how do you compare those two? Well, I think they're co-starters in twelve personnel, obviously, um, and in eleven personnel, they'll be they'll probably split um, depending on what they want to do. Uh, both of them are very good. It's uh, they're viable being out there in eleven personnel, which is one tight end. So, you know, that's probably going to have to play out in spring. How quickly does an eye black pick everything up? Um, what, what's the identity of the team? Paul might have a different answer, but. I think we're going to see more 12 personnel uh, than we saw this past season. Okay. That's great. I, I would like to, obviously, Justin has just been on top of all the, uh, the Dicker news. Uh, Dicker trucked a beer shirtless at the Jumbotron. That must have been a bag of milk at uh, the Anaheim Ducks game tonight. Uh, Paul, this is, again, your area of expertise. Is there any comment you'd like to make there? Yeah. I mean, people were, you know, impressed by Travis Kelsey whipping off his shirt next to Taylor Swift and chugging beers last night in the playoff sure. game. But uh, Dicker continues to make his mark in the NFL. You haven't seen his commercials. Oh, he's having phenomenal. fun. With his persona. Uh, he's making kickers almost lovable and likable. So good for good for Dicker the kicker. And he was disrespected for years by Tom Herman, and this is his chance to finally shine. He's the there real guy, guys. Oh, absolutely. I think there were probably some non-consensual kisses on the cheek that he had to endure. And now that he's now that he's thriving uh, in the NFL, I think hold that's on. Uh, hold on. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Drew, what coaches have tried to kiss you in your career? Su successfully. Successfully. I can't I can't find one. I can't find one. Maybe that's you why look, that? you've suppressed I, that. Uh, yeah, maybe it's deep, deeply buried. I, I just, I, uh, it'll come out in counseling at some point later. And that's important to all of us guys. Nolan at Lamar? Hell no. No? Okay. <laughs> if, if, if you asked, did he kiss me? What's that? You said, was he a kisser? Is that, is that no, what, is that what? no. You played for Nolan at Lamar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coach Nolan. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I think no. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I played with Coach Nolan. He was office up until about 2019. Oh, dude! No, he he, he chain smoke unfiltered uh, like Paul Malls, man. You, you know <laughs> like, like menthols? No, oh, wow! Well, you gotta you gotta keep your you gotta keep your breath sharp. That makes a lot of sense. What it cools through? No, Paul Malls or something. Paul like Malls. Were, yeah. That's far more sophisticated, Paul. Oh, that is it's, more it's, sophisticated. That's the top of the menthol maybe. chain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it uh, it would seem that the super chats aren't coming in. That leads me to believe that the people are annoyed with us. Uh, we're hitting that fifty nine minute mark, which is as we all know is the key to the algorithm. So we are going to close this out unless anybody has anything left to say. Um, 
Paul, we'll start with you coming in with the deep V there. Do you have a deeper V? Uh, or is this the stasis V that you're running? With? All right, let, let's address something you took a shot early in, in this. The, the tight yeah. shirt rankings, Drew Kelson number one. with uh, 100%. Percent. No, I so understand that. That's the loosest shirt I've ever seen Drew wear. Right, and it's a Henley. I mean, yeah. So I'm number two at best. Eric has gone like real hoodie recently. I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe he's not. Well, he's a, he runs a tech company. That makes a lot of sense. That's true. Eric's just a tech dork, dork now. He used to be like kind of physical and like man's man, but now he's like a little nerd. But yeah, I, I just want to make sure. And by the way, your t-shirts aren't exactly baggy, buddy. No, that's true. Uh, I do. Uh, I do fill them up. Uh, it's, you know, I'm a soft 220. This is the way I like to roll in. So it's, um, it's good, but it's all in the thighs and the calves. I, that's low center of gravity. You and me both, brother. All right, y'all. Uh, this has been, by no stretch of the imagination, the greatest show that you 356 people have watched. And we really appreciate you spending your time with you. Thank you so much for those people that threw in the super chat. Um, we're really excited to talk to young Ian Boyd, see if he's had any interest at all of playing D-line at Texas, if not coaching it. But that's really all I've got for you today. Thank you guys so much. We are live on Mondays and Wednesdays. Please, please, please check out InsideTexas.com. We've got that $1 special that's running for the whole month. You get the whole month for $1. Let us earn your business. Please like and subscribe to this page. So again, we can maybe buy some looser t-shirts for Drew. It's starting to suffocate his brain. We will see you soon. Thanks so much.